Welcome to the ASHP official podcast, your guide to issues related to medication use, public health, and the profession of pharmacy. Thank you for joining us for this special edition podcast related to COVID-19, and in particular, the highly anticipated COVID-19 vaccine or vaccines. This podcast provides an opportunity to listen to experts as they share their latest updates. My name is Anna Legardop. I'm the Senior Director of Clinical Guidelines and Quality Improvement here at ASHP, and I'll be the host for today's special edition podcast on COVID-19. There are a lot of big issues brewing related to COVID-19 these days. One of them is our anticipation of the development of a vaccine against SARS-CoV-2, which is a critical countermeasure to the global pandemic that we're in. And once the FDA releases or approves a vaccine or vaccines, either through a biologic license application, a BLA, or through an emergency use authorization, an EUA, not to be confused with another acronym using EUA, an easily understood acronym, there will be a whole host of cascading events that will happen. And there are still a lot of questions about those next steps related to allocation, distribution, storage and handling, clinical considerations and patient administration that we don't have answers for. But what we do know is that a lot of these decisions will be made at the state and local and tribal level. And so today we are very fortunate to be visiting with several guests from the state of North Dakota who have been collaborating with the North Dakota Department of Health to start planning for the highly anticipated COVID-19 vaccines. Our speakers will be talking about COVID-19 vaccine planning CDC pilot lessons learned. They are Dr. Brody Mack, Associate Professor of Practice at the North Dakota State University College of Health Professions. And he's also Clinical Pharmacy Specialist at Family Healthcare, which is a FQHC. And he's the current president of the North Dakota Society of Health System Pharmacists. He's going to be serving as a moderator in discussion with Mike Schwab, who is the Executive Vice President of the North Dakota Pharmacists Association and Dr. Mark Hardy, the Executive Director of the North Dakota Board of Pharmacy, both located in Bismarck, North Dakota. Brody, why don't I hand it over to you to lead the discussion? All right, thanks, Anna. And thank you to Mark and Mike for joining me today. I'm excited to get some great insight from you guys. So we'll go ahead and get started here. As you know, Mark and Mike, North Dakota was one of five jurisdictions selected to do a pilot for the CDC for COVID-19 vaccine planning, along with some other states, Minnesota, California, Florida, Philadelphia. So Mike, I'll kind of start with you. It's great the pharmacists from North Dakota are included in this planning discussion for the pilot. Can you just explain a little bit about how you found out about this and how you sort of became involved? Uh, yes, thanks, Brody. In North Dakota, since we are kind of a small state, uh, we've over the years have developed a lot of really good relationships with our Department of Human Services, Department of Health, and many other divisions and departments uh, within the government. And I think that Mark Hardy uh, has done a great job of always having a seat at the table, as well as our association tries our best to make sure that we're engaged at the early or at the start of a lot of these discussions. And we were invited. Early on, uh, once North Dakota was identified as one of the five pilot states, the Department of Health reached out to uh, our office and I believe the Board of Pharmacy's office. Board of Pharmacy, uh, Mark, there is also part of the Emergency Planning Committee. Uh, so we've been involved uh, really since the, the early stages of COVID. And as far as the pilot state is concerned, we were engaged, I would say, uh, within a few days after it was released that we were a, a pilot state. 
All right. Thank you, Mike. So, Mark, for you, who are all the people included in these discussions and what are the roles of those participating in this pilot for North Dakota? Yeah, thank you, Brody, and, and thank you for leading the discussion. Thank you for ASHP for having us on the podcast. It's an honor. So there's obviously a number of different entities that were involved in the initial discussions of the pilot project. And, and as Mike alluded to, you know, we found out early on that North Dakota is going to be included in one of the pilot states. And uh, actually, we found out later on that North Dakota was actually the first state that the federal entities visited and uh, set up some of the pilot discussions. So, you know, we really got to see some of the, um, really the discussions basically mature out of those meetings. So it was really quite interesting. But certainly there's representatives from the federal side, the CDC, HHS, and then from the state side, we have a lot of different players at the table. Obviously, the Department of Health and multiple divisions within the Department of Health, the immunization coordinators, the public health entities, the epidemiology, the emergency preparedness, and the National Guard is another entity that was involved in there, the governor's office. We had representatives from nursing homes as obviously being some of the critical population that we need to look at immunizing early on. And then obviously all the different public health entities across the state of North Dakota. One of the other important partners that we're working with is our tribal entities. And I think one of the reasons for North Dakota being selected as a pilot state is the reality that we have a number of tribal nations across the state of North Dakota and how to best impact those. So there was a lot of discussions around that, but we had representatives from various tribal nations that were included in the conversations, including the Indian Affairs Office with the uh, state of North Dakota. And then different entities representing different, like pharmacy, myself were involved from a pharmacy perspective. We had uh, nursing home representatives, as alluded to earlier, medical professionals, and then obviously the different uh, health systems represented across the state. Interesting. That's a big, big project and a big piece of cake to bite off for both of you, I'm sure. And so that kind of leads me into my next question. As far as specific things that you guys are making plans for regarding the COVID-19 vaccine, what does that look like for you? And, And maybe Mike, I'll start with you. Well, I mean, right now, as far as plans are concerned, I mean, we are making sure that we are trying to cover all of our, our basis, whether it's hospital uh, services or retail uh, community pharmacy services or long-term care uh, services. We're really trying to use the planning stages, I guess, to get as much timely information out to our, not only our members, but uh, others that we're, we're aware of that we've partnered with in the past or uh, more recently to make sure that everybody's, uh, we try to make sure that everybody's aware of the latest and greatest in terms of what we believe to be correct information. And I say it that way because things change so fast. I mean, we've there's been times we've had a meeting on a Monday and by Wednesday, the information has already changed. And so we try to make do our best to make sure that uh, everybody's up to speed on what, with what's going on. And I think the, the biggest thing is, is that uh, we, we've got a really good partner in our Department of Health um, and, and they've been great to work with. And so they really lean on us in terms of, you know, it's not, here's what we want to do. It's how does this work best for pharmacy? And what can we do to make that work? And what can we do to ensure that this is the best process? And so it's really been, we're really grateful as well as it's been really helpful so that we know that the information we're getting out to our members is important. It's timely. And again, things are continuously changing. And so we're just trying to do the best that we can to stay on top of all those changes and trying to do our best to make sure we're not giving conflicting information to obviously pharmacists in the state. And, and I think so far, we've, I, I like, I'd like to think we've done a, a pretty good job at that. But again, because things change so fast, 
you know, we've had to send out a couple of additional updates and, and sometimes that causes a little bit of confusion, but it's, it's pretty easy to clear up uh, with our members. Yeah, that's, that's great, Mike. Thank you for that. How about you, Mark? What sort of specific things are, have you been involved with making plans for regarding the vaccine? Yeah, I think Mike really did a good job as far as kind of laying, laying a good foundation as far as how the planning discussions have went and you know what we've done specifically from pharmacy. I just want to take a little step back and, and kind of look at it from a holistic view. Pharmacy in North Dakota is such a critical component to how we deliver health care in, in the state of North Dakota. And you know I think that's representative well because we're having these discussions with the Department of Health. You know, you look at the map of pharmacy and how much they're involved with immunizations across the state of North Dakota at this point in comparison to, you know, 10 years ago when we were talking about the H1N1, uh, and it's changed dramatically. And I know that the leaders in the state with the immunization that will be leading this effort are going to, they need to have pharmacy at the table. They need pharmacy involved at the high level in order to get a good vaccination rate. Number one, they're just the some of the most trusted professionals in the community. So leveraging that to offer the vaccinations across the state is going to be such a critical aspect to make sure we are successful in our efforts. You know, the pilot program in North Dakota doesn't mean we're getting vaccinations any earlier than anybody else. It just simply means that we're laying some of the foundation, giving the information back to feds as far as what kind of planning needs to go into place. And then also really kind of understanding a rural state and, you know, complexities as far as delivering the vaccine in the rural states so that they can plan in other locations and be successful to the highest extent possible. As Mike alluded to, you know, there's a lot of unknowns in this process. You know, there's a lot of changing dynamics in this. You know, we're getting updated recommendations on vaccines every day. You know, obviously setbacks and things are moving forward very well on the on the vaccines, but there have been a few setbacks as well. So, you know, I think it's all kind of in the reality that it's a it's a fluctuating environment, which makes it very difficult for pharmacy and healthcare professionals that operate want to operate very highly on a structured kind of knowledge base. And in reality, as we're just not going to have that. But nonetheless, you know, I think the biggest thing from us as far as what we're trying to make plans for is making sure our Mike alluded to as far as making sure that we have our professionals educated as high as possible. We just recently sent out a letter to. Uh, uh, pharmacies across the state, again, kind of reminding them that we need to get them enrolled with the state as far as accepting vaccine and being able to get vaccines. So that's an important component of what we're working on right now. We're also making sure that the pharmacists have access to get trained to give vaccines. There may still be a handful of pharmacists out there that desire to get that training. So working closely with our state university to uh, make sure that we offer that education so that they can be more and more can be ready to go. Obviously, the other thing is just making sure that they are fully aware of the resources that are out there because patients are going to be asking lots of questions. One of the big conversations that we're having in the planning pilot stages as far as how we get patients to actually take the vaccine. You know, as alluded to there, there's there's the possibility that this is going to be an emergency use authorization uh, approval. And so, you know, that ha- may have some impact from a public perception standpoint if they're going to be willing to take the vaccine or not. And so, you know, it's really about trying to educate our professionals so that they can educate their patients about the vaccine and making sure that uh, we try to get uh, the vaccine out there. Because the one thing that we don't want to have is having vaccine delivered out to different entities and not being able to give it and getting wasted. One last thing, too, is that a lot of discussion about priority groups and, you know, how the priority groups as far as where it's going to fall. And I'm sure we'll get a little bit deeper into this, but, you know, understanding how we're going to reach those priority groups, whether that's pharmacy, whether that's through different health entities, 
but uh, really having some greater discussions about how, number one, what are the priority groups? And that's obviously a changing dynamic as well. But also then number two, how we're going to identify those priority groups and get them vaccinated and make sure, again, like we are getting prudent use out of the vaccine, the limited vaccine that we're going to get. That's great, Mark. And you, so you mentioned, you know, right now, one of the big pushes that you're working on is working with pharmacies to get them enrolled to receive the vaccine. And so one of the hot topics and sort of one of the unknowns at this point is, of course, vaccine storage. Just kind of following up on that, what have you been hearing or what have you been discussing with pharmacists around the state about storage of the vaccine? Yeah, storage is a big issue. And, and there's, there's a multitude of big issues that are involved here, but storage is a big one. And we know that, and hopefully pharmacists are getting educated, and that's part of what we talked about earlier, on the different vaccines that may be coming early on and, and being delivered out to the uh, various systems. And some of those are going to require different storage recommendations. And one of the challenging ones that I think we're all trying to figure out how to get our head around and how our hands around is the, the reality that there may be a vaccine that's coming that needs to be stored under ultra-cold chain conditions. And the frank reality of that, there's not a lot of options in the state of North Dakota for the storage in that capacity. You know, one of the big things that the state is talking about is how do we plan for that? You know, obviously putting in some different uh, capacities for ultra cold chain in some of the state entities is, is certainly a reality that they're trying to meet as much as they can. But also, you know, how are we going to deliver that vaccine out and how we're going to obviously get that sent out? Obviously involves multiple different factors. There may be some limited access to those ultra cold chain freezers, but in some respects, it may be that we need to deliver it on dry ice, different conditions like that. So there's a multitude of different factors, but the big thing I think from a state perspective is that we may have the reality of in a more urban area, you know, whether we'd be able to uh, deal with that ultra cold chain, but it may be limited somewhat in a rural area. So uh, just understanding kind of the dynamics around that and, and trying to plan to the greatest extent possible. So I think there's probably a lot of people who think we can just maybe put that outside our door in the middle of January and, and it'll be ultra cold chain secure. But unfortunately, that's not a reality, but just a little, little just at the, at the weather in North Dakota. As many days as we think it's minus 80 outside, it rarely actually gets there, maybe some days with the wind chill. (laughs) (laughs) So going back to you, Mike, kind of along these same lines of making plans, pharmacies in North Dakota have very close relationship with their skilled nursing facilities that they serve. And so, Mike, what sort of implications are involved right now that community pharmacies are kind of dealing with, with regard to getting set up to immunize their patients within skilled nursing facilities? Well, Brody, I'll try to uh, give you what I know at this point in time, because this is definitely a hot topic and it, it seems to be changing changing often. What we believe to be truthful or what we know at this point in time is, is that a lot of your long-term care facilities, of course, are served by your local pharmacy. And especially in North Dakota, the vast majority of our rural facilities are served by their local pharmacy. Even in our Bismarck, Fargo you know, mine at markets, oftentimes your local, a local pharmacy is servicing that assisted living facility or the long, long-term care facility. Now, in North Dakota, at least, our Department of Health has strongly encouraged and, and got enrollment information out to pharmacy providers probably earlier than you're going to see in most states. And so we've already got a number of our pharmacy providers enrolled to provide COVID vaccines. Now, there's some additional training requirements 
and educational pieces that the department required of the pharmacists. And those have, some of those have taken place and they're recorded so they can watch them later. But they basically have to certify that they, they watched the, the, the webinar or they attended that certain session. But really what I think one of the main things we're focusing in on is that we're hearing that the federal government is, is going to allow skilled facilities to determine whether they're going to provide that, take care of that vaccine themselves at their facility whether that's for staff or for residents. They can do that uh, themselves or in partnership with their local pharmacy. But then there's also going to be an option supposedly where they can check a box that basically says, we'd like to have a pharmacy assigned to us. And so what we're highly encouraging our pharmacies to do is to reach out to that facility administrator or the head charge nurse and have those discussions early. And just to let them know that we are being enrolled, we're getting enrolled or we are enrolled with the Department of Health we want to partner with you. Uh, we want to meet your needs in terms of whether we provide that or whether we provide you just the vaccine and you administer it or we, you know, vice versa. We do both provide it and do the administration side of it. And then we also want them to also make the uh, administrator or, or nurse aware that there may be an option for you to be checking this box that the federal government would assign you a pharmacy. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean it would be us. And so we need to have these discussions early and often just to make sure that everybody's on the same page and that as that vaccine becomes available, we have had those discussions already. Everybody is fully aware of kind of how this process is going to play out, or at least at a minimum, try to minimize some of the confusion that might come from a facility accidentally checking that box and all of a sudden having an outside pharmacy service. Then, From our perspective, we really pushed with the Department of Health, or we really mentioned to them a, a number of times that our local pharmacies are already serving those facilities. They know the, the residents, they know, you know, they know the players at the facility, the administrator, the, the head charge nurse, et cetera. They have those relationships. They're usually really close by. And the other side of it too is, is that if you're looking at from an exposure side of things, we don't necessarily believe it's a good thing to bring in another outside entity into a facility or to serve that facility. If we're trying to minimize contact and we're trying to minimize individuals that are coming and going from a facility or that you have interaction with, we don't necessarily think it's a, a maybe a good idea. This is, again, just more my opinion, maybe if nothing else, but I don't necessarily think it's a good idea to have a completely outside entity coming in to service that facility, again, when we're trying to minimize people coming and going from that facility. Yeah, that's a really good point, Mike. And, and obviously, some things to clarify with community pharmacies and their skilled nursing facility partners. That's really great information. And so, Mark, kind of going back to you, we talked a little bit now, you guys both talked a little bit about pharmacists needing to get enrolled to get the vaccine. And now we talked a little bit about reaching out to those skilled nursing facility administrators. Mark, can you kind of summarize other things that pharmacists are being asked to do or being asked to be involved with that are around the table? Yeah, thank you, Brody. That's a good question. And there's a number of things, obviously, like you alluded to, you know, right now we're really stressing the the understanding and the impact that they need to get enrolled. And, and it's a little bit of a complicated topic as far as enrollment. And, and I'll just kind of skim the surface a little bit of it. But right now, what we understand is that the feds may have different methods for shipping vaccines to pharmacies. Number one, there may be a lot of pharmacies, including the large chain pharmacies, that would be potentially getting the vaccine directly from the federal government. Secondary to that, and some pharmacies may have access depending on their connections and their wholesale networks as far as if they'd be able to get it through that network. So there's a lot of pharmacies that, that may be going through, per se, an enrollment process with their wholesaler. 
in order to uh, access vaccinations potentially down the road through that network. But secondarily, and really what we feel very important in the state of North Dakota, given the rural nature of the state, is that they also enroll with the state. And that's what we're talking about now is to enroll with the state so that the state can send those pharmacies vaccines for administering to their patients, both in the long-term care facilities, you know, essential workers, different priority groups. And, and obviously, as time goes on, that'll change. But uh, we really are stressing highly for these pharmacies to get enrolled in that process. One thing that we just kind of, again, talked about briefly, but want to kind of highlight again, is we're having the discussions and having with, this, with the state and then further on with the pharmacies as well about the accessibility of pharmacies that are vaccinated. As you know, North Dakota is a very rural state. You know, there are certain pockets of the state that may not have a lot of public health entities that can really vaccinate and pharmacy is going to be necessary to kind of fill those voids in those areas. And definitely in those demographics, it's definitely a more of a priority group because those are more elderly people. So making sure that we have a good kind of scope as far as where our immunizers are across the state of North Dakota, making sure they're enrolling so that we have kind of a really tight network. And we're very blessed in North Dakota to have a very a wide network of pharmacies that are across the state of North Dakota. Some of the best access to pharmacies in the nation is North Dakota, in our opinion, and by what we what we see on paper. So, so we want to make sure we leverage that to make sure that we can uh, have a lot of options for patients to get the vaccine, especially in those critical access areas across the state of North Dakota. And the other thing, Brody, that we're really we're talking highly is not to switch the subject here a little bit from vaccines, but we are still obviously. Ex- we're seeing a surge of uh, cases in the state of North Dakota, like many of our surrounding states are. And we're stressing to pharmacies the option if they desire to have some ability to do some sample collection for the state to do uh, testing. And so we've uh, trying to have those discussions with pharmacies across the state if they desire to offer that service that would give patients another access point to uh, be able to get a COVID test specifically for asymptomatic people. And so we're stressing some of those options as well. And and luckily, we have a, a wonderful school of pharmacy at North Dakota State University that we often talk about the ABCs of pharmacy, the association board and college uh, working together to uh, meet the patient's needs in the state. And this is just a wonderful example of that as far as the college really stepping up to help us uh, with a lot of these projects. And, and Dr. Elizabeth Scoy at the college has been instrumental as far as putting a lot of these processes into place. And we're very lucky to uh, have a, a wonderful relationship there. And, and they're walking side by side with us as far as impacting the patients at the highest level. Yeah, that's great, Mark. And that's, uh, I would agree with you. As faculty here at North Dakota State, it's great to have these colleagues that are such experts in teaching our workforce how to immunize, teaching our workforce how to test. And so it's been fun to see how pharmacy in North Dakota has really stepped up to help our public health system really test, trace, and isolate to battle this pandemic. But I just wanted to follow up on one question with you, Mark, with all the things that you said, what sort of regulations are being considered within this planning for the COVID vaccine pilot? Yep, absolutely. So, you know, we're pretty lucky in North Dakota. We have a very permissive, I guess, act as far as the practice of pharmacy. And and we have every opportunity for pharmacists to uh, do the vaccinations for, for COVID. And that includes immunizations, which, of course, pharmacies are very busy right now doing flu immunizations. But we're very lucky that we have every opportunity there in order to do that. You know, we don't see any per se regulation changes that we need to put in place. You know, that's something that we don't envision 
having anything that we specifically need in place, but obviously we're monitoring that. And if we feel like there's something that we need to act upon quickly to allow for, we will certainly do that. There certainly is some options and, and discussions going on about technicians being able to do some minimizations. And that's certainly a topic that we're continuing to engage in. That may be something that would potentially be a legislative change for, especially down the road, as there's much more availability of the vaccine, you know, there's going to be a a much more concentrated effort on the general public to uh, vaccinate. So those are kind of some of the discussions we continue to have. But as of right now, we don't have anything that we feel like we have to put in place, given some of the HHS uh, orders, which I'm sure Mike can talk about in greater detail. And as far as some of the executive orders that governors issued around the COVID pandemic. Yeah, it's a, and you bring up a good point, Mark, and I, I'd like to give you kudos as Board of Pharmacy Executive Director just based on how well set up our state of pharmacy here is in North Dakota and, and being able to handle a pandemic like this, having pharmacists ready to go for immunizing, ready to go for testing. Our scope is is solid and it's it's such a great thing to see. So congrats to you on that. So Mike, as you kind of reflect on some of the lessons that you're learning in this pilot, And especially thinking about next steps, what are some things that you're thinking about and maybe some immediate actions that you're going to be taking? Well, I think one of the main things that we really are just kind of focusing on again is is just how do we utilize the network that we know already exists and how do we get all of our pharmacists actively engaged in this? And through the executive orders that, you know, our governor has released as well as President Trump through the, the PrEP Act and the CARES Act, we've got a I guess a wide range of things that pharmacists don't have to worry about necessarily at this point in time. And kind of as Mark stated, due to some of those things being in place, it saves pharmacists some time as well as the Board of Pharmacy some time in in terms of having to maybe address some of those issues with regards to the amendment through HHS for uh, just vaccines in general for 3 to 18, just because, you know, it varies across state to state. So it's kind of nice to have a little more uniformity in some of that, as well as the the order to allow COVID vaccines. And so I guess really from next steps, it's just making sure that we continue to be at the table with the Department of Health, making sure that we're trying to help the Department of Health in any way that we can. As much as the federal government is helpful, at certain times they also kind of hurt and hinder a process, especially when you're talking uh, local control and local involvement and local players. There's a reason a lot of things get done locally a lot faster. And so we really need to make sure that we stay on top of the Department of Health, you know, helping them try to drive this train as much as they can. And so that we don't have a lot of dysfunction, I guess, taking place. We really want to make sure that everybody's kind of on the same page and everybody is able to make the decisions that they want to make at the local level. And so for us, I guess the priority is to continue to push to make sure that from a local level, we're able to be involved in those discussions and make those decisions, I guess, at a local level. Now, granted, we can't always anticipate exactly what the feds might mandate or what they're going to do. But if nothing else, through this planning process, I'd like to think, and Mark, you can add or correct me if I'm wrong, but through this planning process, we've tried to make it a point in numerous areas of that planning document that this is why it's best for North Dakota. This is why it works best for North Dakota. This is what we want to see, or this is what we've done in the past, and it's worked really, really well. And so I think, at least from my perspective, just kind of on an overall priority for us. It's more of just making sure that we have as much local control, local involvement, and local decisions taking place through our group and not necessarily letting those things happen or those decisions be made for us. 
Yeah, you bring up some really good points there, Mike. And and I think kind of for both of you and, and Mark, maybe I'll let you start, but just some final reflections. And if you kind of want to follow up on some things Mike said as well, but for listeners that are listening to the podcast here and considering plans for COVID vaccine 19 and, and in their practices and organizations, what other sort of reflections do you have just kind of finally here? Yeah, absolutely, Brody. Thanks for the question. I, I just maybe start off by just kind of circling back to Mike's question too. And I think one thing that we've been we've been really, I would say, lucky. You know, the states are so diverse. You know, there's such a difference between one state, our state. Our planning is going to look a whole lot differently than what it's going to look like in Rhode Island or New York. So, you know, I think the reality, and and hopefully, I, I think I'm not speaking out of tongue on this, but it seems like the feds are really understanding that and, and allowing those local control, especially during this pandemic, to take place so that you can lay the plans that you need to to take care of your population. And that obviously trickles down not only from a state level, but into those individual communities as well. And letting those communities make some decisions about what is what is right if, as far as during this pandemic time. Now, stepping back to the immunizations and some final reflections that I think is important. Number one, I think when we talk about North Dakota and, and the listeners are out there from other states, your planning may look a lot different than what ours does. And rightfully so, just as I alluded to earlier. So I think one thing, you just need to be educated, you need to be involved in the process. And I think that's one of the biggest things for pharmacists that sometimes we, we need to make sure we do at the highest level as possible. And we're all busy, but we need to make sure we stay involved in the process because as we all say, those decisions are made by people that show up. And so showing up in those meetings and participating in those work groups and offering feedback and, and giving your two cents to the issue is extremely important, especially now in these, these transient times as far as plans are being laid in these individual states as far as how this rolls out. So make sure you do that. Get educated about what the vaccines are. And obviously that's changing all the time, but there's a, there's a wealth of information out there as far as educational opportunities. And, and you really need to do that as a professional responsibility so that you can educate your patients. There's a lot of misinformation being thrown out there. And we're just in unprecedented times and taking unprecedented measures. Sometimes there's a lot of narratives and that's a lot of the discussions we've had in, the, in this pilot project, how to, how to set forward the facts and to educate patients. And I think, you know, it's one thing if a government entity tells people as far as one thing, but if they hear it from their local providers that are making the decisions in their care, that's who they need to hear it from. So it's important that you educate yourself about that so you can talk about that with your patients. Another thing from specifically when you talk about a pharmacy perspective, you know, you really need to kind of think about and plan in your own practice as far as what you would do to identify priority groups. That's going to be a real struggle and, and that looks different for everybody, for what it looks like for public health entity versus a pharmacy looks a lot different as far as how you identify priority groups. Certainly there's going to be targeted populations that are institutionalized, there'll be targeted populations that are essential workers, but then you're eventually going to get to disease states and how you're going to identify those patients that have specific disease states and how you're going to deliver vaccines. And, and if you do get vaccine, how you're going to deal with any surplus and how you would potentially get that population vaccinated as well. So identifying priority groups is another thing that is an important thing for you to consider in your practices and your organizations as well. So that's kind of what I have. And I'll turn it over to Mike and I'm sure he's got lots more to add. Well, Mark, you actually touched on something I was going to bring up and that's the priority groups. Because I actually think and hopefully the Department of Health, if they listen to this, <laughs> they, they don't take this the wrong way. But I, I know one of the things that they struggle with the most is, is, so we have our priority phases. We have four phases of rolling out vaccines. But 
right away in the first phase, I think one of the things that we need to have other states and others want to consider is, is that even from, if we're looking at the first group being healthcare workers, I know that right now the discussions and the planning are into, from a hospital perspective, how do we prioritize which healthcare workers are going to get vaccinated first? Because we're going to have a limited supply. Initially, uh, for the first few months, the supply is going to supposedly increase. But initially, it's like, okay, if this is going to be a two-dose vaccine, how do we identify who's going to be the priority healthcare workers that actually get this? And so what the department's doing is, is actually asking a lot of the facilities to start internally thinking about how do we prioritize our own healthcare providers in terms of who's going to get this? And so, I mean, really, when you start looking at the priority groups, Mark's right. I mean, that's slowly going to be getting into when it gets to chronic disease, they're going to probably, they've already asked us the question, how easy is it for pharmacies to identify who are your higher priority groups? While we can do that, we don't know when that's going to happen, but the pharmacies need to be ready and have a plan kind of in place of how are we going to identify those priority groups when that time comes? I mean, initially, at least here in North Dakota, we're looking at healthcare workers first rolling into long-term care settings. And so really it's how do we identify within those groups, who are those high risk ones? Because if we're only given, let's just say for purpose of discussion, 10,000 doses a start, and you've got 50, 60,000 healthcare workers, how are you going to prioritize who gets that first few doses at those facilities even? Because you're not going to be able to get all healthcare workers within that first allocation or that distribution, or even maybe even that second distribution. And so I think that's really kind of where the department might be focusing a little of their attention right now. It's how do we address that first couple of allocations or when we get to that distribution side of things, how do we address those, even the healthcare worker side of things, because we can't get everybody right away. And so how do we do that? How do we keep track of that? And then following that, then when we get to the nursing home, same thing. If we're only given X number, how do we identify who we give this to or who should receive that COVID vaccine? So I think that a lot of states are going to probably struggle with that same very, very aspect of the priority phases. But in general, it's been a interesting planning group and committee to work with, a really great group, but been interesting in terms of some of the things coming from the Fed, some of the comments that representatives from HHS make during our planning meetings. And if nothing else, I think they clearly got the, the, the point from our Department of Health and many, many people around the table that this is a, a local, I mean, yes, it's, it's a pandemic, but from a local perspective, we want to be able to make those decisions. We want to be able to drive and track what we're doing and we want to have control over this process as much as we can. So I, I think that North Dakota's at least done a good job of outlining that in their plan. And they've also prepared for various scenarios in that plan. You know, ideally here's how we want this to operate, but if this happens, here's plan B. If that doesn't happen, here's plan C. So I actually think that in a lot of scenarios the department has laid out here's our preference or here's how we see things working but then has also laid out a couple of additional scenarios. If something, you know, if a wrench is thrown into the process, we're going to move into plan B here a little bit, but they're preparing for those different scenarios as things continue to develop. Well, that's all the time that we have for today. I want to sincerely thank Brody and Mark and Mike. Thank you so much for your time. Thanks for joining us today to discuss how you're involved with planning for the COVID-19 vaccine and with your discussions as one of the CDC pilot sites for the vaccines. It's really just a great discussion. I think you've summarized some really important takeaways all the way from the importance of getting involved 
to serving as a source of truth for patients. As for our listeners, please remember that there's lots of resources. We're trying to keep up with this information as much as possible. We know that you're trying to make these decisions at your practices at that local level. We have a website devoted to the COVID-19 vaccine. And then on that page, there are several resources from ASHP, but then also links to other sites like vaccine trackers and CDC for some trying to give as much specificity to the logistics that we can in this moment. So please be sure to subscribe to the ASHP's podcast. We'll be posting more on lessons learned, practices, and therapeutic management for COVID-19. I'm Anna Legger-Dopp, and thank you for joining us today. Thank you for listening to ASHP Official the voice of pharmacists advancing healthcare. Be sure to visit ashp.org forward slash podcast to discover more great episodes, access show notes, and download the episode transcript. If you loved the episode and want to hear more, be sure to subscribe, rate, or leave a review. Join us next time on ASHP Official.